Two balls, two strikes on Alonzo. One out, Lindor at first. Cabrera's pitch. Alonzo trails this one in the air, deep to left center field. This one's going to go. It is gone. A home run. There's number 100 in the career of Pete Alonzo. It has taken him only 347 major league games to hit 100 homers. He is the second fastest in major league history to get there. He points up to the sky as he approaches home plate. And in the same ballpark that Alonzo hit his first, he's hit his 100th. And the Mets take a 2-0 lead. Hey, 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 it's Todd Fox here for Halos in the Infield podcast. If you ever wanted to uh, hear the voice of the Angels in the 2023 season, well, here's your chance. First, I'm your host, Todd Fox, along with the other hosts of the show. Fernando, how's it going, everybody? Fernando's here, along with Wayne Randazzo. Uh, how are you doing today? Doing good. Excited to be here. All right. We got our new announcer for this year's team, and we're excited about the team, and we're excited about the expectations of how the team's going to go, and we're going to get his firsthand uh, opinions on on the team itself and also uh, what his uh, goals are for this year, reaching out to the fans, because we want to get to know our new announcer here. So, uh, Fernando, we want to get it started? I will. So, real quick, so I was listening to an interview that you did with, uh, I think it was MLB Tonight, Wayne, and you were talking with Matt Vaskersian about the offseason move with the Mets. Matt Vaskersian is obviously a voice that's become very familiar to Angels fans here and Southern California baseball fans as he used to be with the Padres. So three weeks ago, were you already talking with Valley Sports West? Like, did you kind of know, like, hey, Matt, I'm going to, you know, be working a- across the aisle from you, if you will? Yeah, you know, it's kind of the magic of TV. We can uh, do those interviews and, and talk about the Mets. I think we both kind of knew where where things were going to be headed, but nothing was official yet at that point. Okay. So really, you know, you never know until it's until it is official and until uh, everything's on the bottom line. So yeah, I think I think uh, I think Matt had an idea, and I know I had an idea of where things might be headed. But you know, I'm happy to talk to uh, the Mets anytime or about the Mets anytime because uh, I absolutely know that organization well and have followed what they've done this off season too. And, uh, you know, they're, they're poised for another great year in, in Queens, which is, which is terrific for that fan base, but I'm excited to be a part of the angels organization and be in the TV booth, uh, in Anaheim. And it's, it's going to be awesome. You know, I'm really excited to work with Mark Gubiza and, uh, the entire crew there. And, you know, Matt, I think Matt's still going to do some, uh, games here and there and Patrick O'Neill will be involved a little bit as well. So, you know they'll uh, they'll have uh, some opportunities too, and it'll be great. It'll be a, a nice connection in the booth. So we're gonna get uh, here to the Mets and everything that led you to the moment where we are right now. Uh, real quick, did you have a relationship with Matt Vaskersian prior to? Because you know he's just across the Hudson, and you were in Queens. Uh, not really, you know, I, I, I'd seen him doing okay. when he was doing Sunday Night Baseball still, you know, I, I would see him then and I talked to him a little bit, um, you know, I, so I've talked to him here and here and there a few times, um, but, you know, I, I, I got to know him a little bit better recently uh, since this was all getting, getting put together and he seems like a great guy and I know that he's well respected in the industry and, and certainly he's had a great career, so um you know, happy to that when I'm not in the booth, that, that Matt could be one of the guys in there. Um, and and I'm sure he'll uh, carry it on and do a great job like he always does. You're speaking about yeah, the, uh, the New York fans over there real quick. Um, 
uh, we were talking a little bit off the record, but I wanted to bring up the fact that, you know, I listened, shout out to a boomer and a geo over there on the, on the fan. Uh, I love how baseball is talked first over there. You know, the, the NFL could be, you know, with the giants and jets being really good, but they're talking Mets and Yankees almost year around. Is, is that, is that the type of, fandom that you wish was here in the SoCal area because we we have so much to do over here sometimes you know if it's baseball season it's kind of hard not to talk about it in the off season because of everything else going on you know what I mean like we kind of as fans want to hear but uh, do you think that can actually come here if the Angels were to start winning more uh, you know you have that more talk about the Angels you know year round yeah I think you know a consistent winner at least consistent as far as contending is always something that will spark fan interest year round. You know, it makes off seasons a lot more interesting when you're trying to contend. Look what the Mets have done the last two off seasons. I mean, getting Max Scherzer last year and signing Starling Marte was it was a huge thing. And then this off season, they've just they've blown away even what they did last year, uh, coming off a, a team that won over a hundred games. So yeah, I think that when you have that kind of excitement uh, because of your team contending and, and being in the running, you know, there's a lot of attention on the Mets anyway um, and, and the Yankees of course too I mean, the Yankees are, are going to be a perennial contender they haven't had a losing season in 30 years I mean they're they're always going to be in the conversation but the Mets have always kind of swayed and there's always been uh, the hope of a Mets contention uh, but not always the follow-through when it happens during the season so there's some some inherent drama there and, and maybe that's the, the case a little bit too uh, for the Angels sometimes where you know things look like they're going to be going well and all of a sudden they don't. And uh, maybe in New York, they like to spin with that drama a little <laughs> bit more than they do in Southern California. Whereas maybe in Southern California, they say, well, you know, this didn't work out. So we'll see how it goes next time. But um, in New York, they just like to get right into the, to the muck about it and, and think about how it can change and be different. Um, but listen, all 30 teams want to compete and want to win. And some of them use their resources better than others to do so. And, you know, I think the Angels have had a really good offseason, and uh, I think they could be in a position to at least make some noise in the American League, and, and that's all you can really ask for is a team that's got a shot to, to be a playoff team. Yeah, because we'll talk about that, because the East right now, you mentioned it, it seems like the Mets and the Yankees are always trying to up, up each other, one-up each other, but both their divisions are super highly competitive, and I think now, like you said, with the offseason moves the Angels did, the Mariners and the Rangers, and then Houston being Houston, I mean, the American League West is poised to be very competitive itself. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's going to be a, a top to bottom, you could say. But the, I mean, obviously, Oakland's not going to be very good. But to have four contending teams in a division is unusual. You know, the American League East will likely have four, maybe even five, if the Red Sox mm -hmm. uh, can pull it together this year. Baltimore took a big step forward in 2022. There's not a lot of, of great teams in the American League, which is why if you think about seven playoff teams from each league, you know, 85 wins gets you in, in the neighborhood. It gets you in the conversation to be a playoff contender. So if the Angels are, are around 500, a little bit over 500 as they move through the middle of the season, oh. contending with Texas, contending with Seattle. It's, I mean, Seattle's made two years in a row, big pushes in the second halves of the last two seasons. Uh, in, in 21 to get close to a playoff spot and in 22 to get in. So, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of time over the course of a long season to do that. And if the Angels stay healthy, play good baseball, they've filled out their roster nicely. Uh, you know, I don't know if you're as worried about competition within the division as much now because you're playing fewer games in the division as opposed to years past. You still play a good number. You'll still see those teams more than the others. 
but maybe that's healthy, you know, go up against those teams like the Mariners and improving Texas Rangers team. And, uh, you know, the Astros are going to be solid again. So it's uh, it'll be competitive and, and hopefully the Angels find their way to to be in the playoff conversation. And it'll make those division games all the more important when they do play them. Yeah, exactly. And that, that'll be interesting, too, because you won't have as many. You have two trips to each uh, division rival and then two trips that they come to visit you. And you, you got to make the most of it, especially if you want to win uh, your division. And, you know, I, I, listen, the Astros have had a, a tremendous run. They, they've gone to the ALCS a whole lot. They've, they've gone to the World Series a whole lot in the last six years. But, you know, maybe they, they'd start taking a step back. Verlander's gone. You know, maybe they're, they're, they could be a little bit more exposed. You never know how uh, things can, can shake out. So, you know, if, the, if a team plays their best at the beginning of the year and, and holds that form for a while, you know, things can gel together in a way that you know, a special season could start to brew. Mm -hmm. So before we leave the topic of New York completely in the dust, I want to put you on the spot here. And this is probably – this could probably go all over the internet – so you might want to choose your words wisely, I suppose. But are the New York Mets the top dog in New York baseball right now after the offseason they've had so far? It's, that's a good question. I mean, they won more games than the Yankees last year. They didn't get as far in the playoffs, but they won more games. Uh, the Yankees had to bring back Judge. They did. They, you know, Carlos Rodon's a good addition if he's healthy. You never know if he's going to be, though. Yeah. Uh, but that's a good rotation. The Mets have made a lot of noise. I think the Mets are more of a conversation starter right now. I think the Mets have a lot more attention. If they finish the Correa deal, I think they're the better team. Okay. And what, one other so question. So if the Correa deal falls through like it did with the Giants, you, you think it's a toss-up? We're, we're talking basketball Yeah, I do. I think, I think it's more of a toss-up uh, league-wide. The Mets are the best team in the National League. Uh, maybe you can make the argument they're the best team in all of baseball, though I think Houston would still have some say there coming off a World Series win, even without Verlander. But uh, I think the Mets are, are right there as far as the top teams in the entire in the entire league if Correa's uh, on board. If he's not, you know, I still think they're a great team and they're still uh, going to be a, a playoff contender. And they're still probably as good as the others. I don't know if they're better, though. Okay, and one last question I was going to ask him. Uh, I don't know how many times you've been over to Yankee Stadium. Um, I've never been. I've always heard great mystique things about, you know, the mystique of the old uh, house that Babe Ruth built. Um, is there that disconnect with the fans as being more corporate now with the New New York Stadium compared to the old one where it felt felt like you were right on top of the action. It was more of a home field advantage. Yeah. You know, unfortunately I never went to the old Yankee stadium. I'm uh, not from New York. And, and, and since I've been there, both old Yankee stadium and Shea stadium have been gone. I've I never been to Shea stadium either. Oh, okay. Found, okay. Uh, to be really unfortunate as an announcer for the Mets to have not really had that experience of Shea stadium. But I will tell you what other people have said. And that is yes, that there's, uh, a, it's a different Yankee stadium. It's a different feel now, and it doesn't have the same charm that the other one did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's still, it's still a, a, a rabid fan base. I think it's still a tough place to play in October, but I don't think the ghosts of <laughs> Yankee past are there uh, yeah. in the way that they were at the old place. That's for sure. Okay. Uh, okay. So uh, you were born in Chicago, Illinois, correct? Yes. So, 
So uh, deep dish pizza. Are we going Lou Malnati's or are we going Giordano's? Are you going for a dark horse third, maybe like a beggar's pizza? Beggar's pizza, that's a good pull. That's more on the south side. The um, you know, I think Giordano's is better than Lou's. My favorite deep dish in Chicago is, is a little place called the Art of Pizza. Uh, it's it's kind of on the northwest side a little bit, and um, it's I think it's the best one. They sell it by the slice, which is also kind of rare. You don't uh, you don't always get it by the slice in in some places, but uh, Art of Pizza I would get my vote as as number one deep dish in Chicago. Pequod's uh, a close second. Pequod's is excellent as well. Okay, maybe I'll have to check that out next week because I normally go <laughs> Giordano's because they deliver to my hotel room. Yeah, no, that <laughs> makes sense. Giordano's. If you're doing Giordano's or lose, then I think Giordano's is the is the better choice. But uh, there's a lot of other good ones too. A little uh, more mom and pop that that aren't as uh, chain in in the chain game as the others are. I had had pizza until I went to Chicago. The Chicago put it over over the top for me. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm a much bigger Chicago deep dish fan than I am a New York pizza fan. As listeners know, I go to both every month. <laughs> so I've had, I've gotten to try the mom and pop places for New York, not so much Chicago, but yeah. um, okay. So you attended St. Charles East High School. So in high school, was that around the time that you knew you wanted to get into sports casting, or was this maybe past high school where you're like, this is going to be my career? No, way before that. I, I wanted to do this since I was a little kid. I mean, I, I loved baseball growing up. I was obsessed with it, still am. And, uh, you know, being in a two-town city was great. I mean, I got to watch Cubs games largely during the day back then. They still were playing mostly day games, if not all day games at Wrigley yep. Field. And uh, see the National League teams and the White Sox had the American League. So uh, it was great to just had, to have that opportunity to see everybody and watch all the teams and, uh, you know, I gravitated toward the Cubs and toward Wrigley Field and toward Harry Carey. And, you know, the way Harry called games was always special to me. I mean, it, 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 the, the combination of Harry Carey's enthusiasm and Steve Stone's knowledge um, was, was just the, the top of it for me. And I, it's exactly what I wanted to do since I was a little kid. It was nothing ever else that I really wanted to become other than a baseball announcer. So, uh, to get this opportunity now, not only to be in the big leagues with the Mets the, the way I have the last several seasons, but to be uh, uh, the TV voice of a, a big league team, especially uh, in, a, in a huge market and uh, with a great legacy like the Angels. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's a dream come true. And, and I'm, I'm really fortunate that it, it turned out the way that it did. Yeah, that region, uh, you know, the Chicago region, and, you know, you could even throw Milwaukee in there. Like, they're really spoiled by, you know, rich histories, beautiful ballparks. Like, you know, when I when people list, like, some of the best ballparks in baseball, I don't hear Milwaukee Stadium ever included in that. You know, Wrigley, I know, is synonymous with baseball. So everyone talks about how beautiful Wrigley is. And I'm, I've only ever seen the, the refurbished Wrigley. I haven't seen the, you know... Dare I say falling apart Wrigley that, you know, my dad saw 20 years ago or, you know, it wasn't as, you know, well kept after the ownership change. But, you know, the White Sox have another stadium guaranteed great field. That's a great ballpark. Nobody ever talks about those stadiums. You know, it's always the, the Petco Parks, the Camden Yards. And, of course, those are great stadiums. But, you know, when you walk into these places like guaranteed right field and, you know, uh, Wrigley Field, you just feel the history. There's something magical about it. Well, Wrigley, I think, is, is, is still, to me, the best ballpark out there. I, I think it gets plenty of uh, hype as far as the experience at Wrigley Field. You know, they changed they changed 
the neighborhood more than they changed the ballpark. And certainly they, they refurbished the park a little bit mm-hmm. and they added the video boards and, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of the charm is, is, is gleaned over a bit because of that. But I think they did a good job keeping the Wrigley magic uh, intact when they redid the stadium, the neighborhood's a lot different. You know, the neighborhood used to be kind of a, a grittier neighborhood, a lot, a lot more of a blue collar neighborhood. Uh, there were a lot of places to go. And um, now it seems a little bit more um, just, uh, you know, I think they've just kind of made it a little bit more vanilla than it used to be. You know, it's just kind of like every other neighborhood now. Um, it, it, you know, Wrigleyville, Wrigleyville itself may have lost its charm a little, but I think the ballpark still has plenty of it. And yeah, the White Sox have a good stadium. They've done a lot to make it better. You know, I think what the what the Sox problem was is that they didn't have a good first impression. I think when when the new Comiskey Park opened in the early 90s, people didn't like it. It was a very sterile environment. It was the one right before Camden Yards. So when Camden Yards opened, it was this beautiful palace and people were looking at the White Sox like, well, what'd you, what did you guys do? Your ballpark's only a year older and it looks completely different. It looks, it looks like the old 80s ballparks did instead of this new 90s style ballpark that the Orioles built and then Cleveland built in, in, and then Texas built. So those, those new stadiums really outshined the White Sox and they worked hard to make it to make it look a lot better after the first decade or so of being there. So it's a lot better now than it used to be. And the Brewers have a great ballpark, very underrated ballpark. Um, Absolutely. I love their stadium. Yeah. And it's good that they have a roof because the weather's nasty there in the <laughs> early parts of the year. So they get to play every game and they get to play it on time. And I think that's a, that's an important part of uh, the Brewers being doing so well in attendance the way that they do. Plus, they brought back those those cool unis, man. The throwbacks, well, the kind of throwback feel with the pinstripes and all that stuff, looks pretty cool. Uh, one thing, uh, you're not going to take any of the. I know you're you you like the uh, Cubs announcers, but uh, you didn't. I'm glad you didn't get into the Hawk Harrelson. We're not going to hear he gone. <laughs> they used to annoy me watching WGN, man. <laughs> He'd always throw shade on the oppose, opposing teams. <laughs> he did. He uh, he really hated the Cubs too. Um, but you know, Hawk is a, a Chicago legend. Oh, sure he uh, is. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I think that he certainly had his place in the game. He was a really funny guy. Told a lot of great stories, and um, yeah, I think I think some Sox fans even miss him because he was so such a character. You know, you, you yep. might not be getting the greatest uh, technical baseball broadcast, but you're certainly going to get uh, an entertaining you know call for the most part, unless the Sox were getting their, uh, getting beat up and kind of. <laughs> you kind of go quiet on you, but uh, a Hawk was great. And, and, you know, again, you, when you have the exposure of different announcers and two different teams in the same city, it's great. And I, I think, um, you know, fans that are fortunate enough to have that, whether it's New York or Chicago or in the Bay area or in uh, Southern California, where really you got three teams to, you can make the argument, certainly two in the, in the LA area in Orange County. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's really good for, for baseball fans when you have, you know, an opportunity to, to spread, uh, around and, and and get to know different teams and different announcers and and um, you know I'm glad to be a part of it in LA. Are are you gonna? Are, well, speaking of hockey and, and other guys have made the legendary calls and have their own little niches. Are you gonna have something like that, or, or are you gonna let it flow, or are you gonna let it come creatively, or are you, are you planning a certain way, or are you just gonna call games the way you have with with the Mets? Yeah, I mean, I'll largely call games the way I have. You know, we'll see if there's something that I can tie into regionally or locally or, uh, you know, I, I know Victor used to light up the halo and all that. So 
um, which is a great a great tie in to to that little drive home safely. There. Uh, <laughs> yeah, everybody wants that. Um, I've been trying to make the word prendalo stick, which means turn <laughs> it on in Spanish, and you know it embraces Latino culture in Southern yeah. California. So if that if you want that, have at it. I've been trying to get it to stick for years. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I mean, yeah, that's a good way to tie in. You know, maybe there's a tie in with Otani and uh, you know the Japanese culture and, and how go. much that he he brings of that to the table. Um, there's a lot of ways to to go about it, and I'll, I'll get my footing in in with the Angels and see what's what. And uh, but you know, my plan for the most part is is to call the games the way that that I usually call them, and uh, you know, just just do so in a way that benefits uh, the Angels fan base and and the and the organization. All right. So you called games for the King County Cougars uh, for a couple seasons there. Uh, you even called a championship season, correct? I think it was 2014, your last year they won the championship there? Yeah, my last year in King County and my last year in Mobile, the place I was before that, uh, they were both championship years, both with teams that won a ton of games. Um, 2011 Mobile was actually, they had Paul Goldschmidt, and they had uh, just a lot of great players on that team. A lot of guys who would end up being in the major leagues, Adam Eaton, uh, Wade Miley, Patrick Corbin. They had Trevor Bauer all on the same team. I mean, it was really uh, an all-star studded team for a minor league team, all under one umbrella. I mean, they were, they were the Arizona Diamondbacks. And, you know, Arizona got rid of a lot of those guys. Um you know, they kept Goldschmidt for a while, but, you know, they did they did make a lot of trades and they, they lost a lot of their minor league talent. And you wonder how things might have been different for that organization if they kept a lot of those guys. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it was a, a good organization uh, to be a part of. And, you know, anytime you win, a, if you're part of a championship type season, even if it's the minor leagues, you know, it's still it's fun to win. It's fun to it's fun to call team your team that's winning. So before you went over to work with the Mets, you did a little bit with the Cubs and a little bit with the White Sox, where you got to call a couple of games. Uh, what was it like to cover and call games for two of the most iconic franchises, you know, in baseball and sports, especially in such a sports-dominated city? Was there, like, any pressure associated with being, you know, in the Chicago market? Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, when I was doing that, I, I did a little bit of pregame and postgame show hosting for the White Sox. I never called games for the Cubs or the White Sox. I worked for the Cubs minor league team in Kane County, and I worked uh, and I did the White Sox pre and post on the radio. You know, it's just it, anytime I was around those teams, the teams you grow up around, um, you know, you, you got an extra little kick out of it. Um, you know, one what I used to do is after the minor league season, I would go to Wrigley and, and to Milwaukee as well. And they would give us, uh, they would give me, and usually I would take a friend. Most of the time that friend was Joe Davis, uh, who does the Dodger games, of course. And, and Joe and I would go to Wrigley or to Milwaukee and we'd do a game together in one of, it, in one of the empty booths just to have some major league tape to, to give to major league teams. You know, it, it, it turned out that, you know, major league teams didn't really like hearing the minor league tapes. You know, they wanted to hear big league sound. And so Joe and I figured out a way to, to go to these big league games and broadcast them just for our own, for ourselves, you know, just to hand out to other, to major league teams so that we can get hired uh, for those jobs. So it obviously worked out for, for him and, and for me. And, 
it's a good idea. I think uh, Joe Block, who does the Pirates now, gave us that idea. And uh, that was a, a really cool thing that helped, you know, launch launch our careers ultimately. That's really smart. That's sort of like back in the day when people used to make mixtapes and pass them out. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, that's really smart. baseball broadcasting version. Yeah, you're all, hey, uh, you want to hear a copy? Check this out. <laughs> you're right. Give the disc for free and then be like, all right, uh, a tip. You know, they're like, yo, here's my mixtape. You know, five, five bucks, five man. Bucks. Five bucks. <laughs> but okay, that's, so uh, let's. Uh, no, I was going to say that's a great idea, man, to get that big league feel. Yeah, it was cool. It was a good idea. And, uh, you know, we, and we were fortunate the Cubs and the Brewers just said, yeah, sure. They didn't. They were totally fine with it and, <laughs> and let us in there despite having not much uh, experience, especially at the big league level. And, um, you know, it was it was cool. It was just cool to take in a game at Wrigley in that way for both Joe and me. And, and you know, our careers have really flourished since then, you know, Joe's especially. So it's uh, it's been it's been cool to see you know, where we were to where we are now. And, uh, you know, it's something that we both cherish a lot. Nice. So you went to New York uh, for the Mets and you started uh, with pre and post game right out uh, the gate, right? So you showed up just in time for that deep playoff run in 2015 where the Mets made it to the World Series. Uh, what was it like to be part of that? It was surreal. I mean, my first real big league job and uh, covering a big league team year round, a full time role. Uh, not only did I do pre and post, but I filled in on some of the broadcasts as well on the radio, did about 25, 30 games on the radio, including a playoff game. Um, so it was cool. I mean, uh, it was just unbelievable. And then sure enough, to go to the World Series, the Mets beat the Cubs in the National League Championship Series. They won the pennant at Wrigley Field. So for me, it was just a whole whirlwind of, <laughs> of, of, <laughs> of things. And uh, that was really a special run, a, a big second half. Uh, they got you on a Cespedes, which really helped. They, they unexpectedly beat the Dodgers in the first round, you know, in that division series. The Dodgers pitched uh, Kershaw in two of the five games, and they pitched Zach Granke in two of the five games. That was, that was probably Granke's best year. So you had Kershaw and Granke in four out of the five games, and the Mets still found a way to win, uh, which was really uh, amazing to, to watch. Daniel Murphy goes off. It's home runs in just about every playoff game. And then unfortunately it fizzled a little bit in the World Series, even though the Mets had the lead for most of, of all of those games. The Royals just kept coming back late and, and, and knocked off the Mets in the end. But it was a, a, an awesome way to begin my time in New York. And, uh, you know, not every year ended up being like that, although you've kind of thought that it might because they had such good young pitching. But, you know, that was, that was a really special run. And, and I hope I get to be a part of another World Series run, hopefully with the Angels. Yeah, right. Matt Harvey, uh, DeGrom, Noah Syndergaard. Like, and these were – a lot of those guys were pretty unknown at the time, you know. Nobody really knew DeGrom. Nobody really knew Syndergaard just yet. You know, these guys were just starting. You know, Matt Harvey had kind of already transitioned into the dark night at that point. But, uh, man, oh, man, I mean, watching those three pitch back then, I mean, even from an outsider's perspective, was fun. So I can only imagine what it was like from the booth but um baseball is a sport where we fall in love with icons you know you were spoiled enough to see some big names uh, during your time in new york but the one i really want to ask you about was david wright what was it like to see uh in his prime david wright when he was healthy play every day 
You know, I wish I would have seen that. Uh, you know, when I got there in 2015, that's really when it all kind of started for David as far as his spinal stenosis and his back problems. Um, you know, he had kind of a, a leg injury, a hamstring injury, I want to say early in that season. And then as he was rehabbing, that is when the back stuff really started to become known to be an issue. I think he had been battling it for a while, but didn't really know what it was. So you know, the rehab process kind of started then. And then David came back toward the end of the year, hit a dramatic home run. You know, when he first came back to the team, the Mets were in Philadelphia and we had been somewhere else and we got to Philadelphia pretty late at night. As we were arriving at the hotel in Philadelphia, David was standing there with boxes of cookies for, the, for each player in his full uniform as a, a way to say, you know, I'm, I'm back. This is, this is happening again. So he'd been, he'd been gone for about three months at that point and then hit a big home run his first game back, had some good moments down the stretch. You could tell he was fighting it and he wasn't quite the same player that he had been. Um, and then the next few years really was just all about managing that injury and, until the bitter end for him. But he's a tremendous, tremendous guy. Uh, you know, the Mets were in, he actually lives in Southern California now and the Mets were in San Francisco earlier last season. And he decided to, to come up and have a little uh, friends weekend and watch the Mets play the giants. And I knew he was there, but I hadn't seen him. And I'm walking uh, outside of the ballpark after the game. And all of a sudden I hear somebody call my name, but I, I wasn't sure if I heard it right. And then somebody comes running and taps me on the shoulder. And I turn around, it's David Wright. <laughs> You know, he flagged me down all the way from like across the street, which was just just kind of goes to show if he's tracking down the radio guy like that. He's uh, uh, yeah, he's just a special guy. And I, I wish I had seen, you know, the real Captain America and, and the real David Wright from when I when I was there. I just kind of missed it. Well, you got to see the 2015 World Series run, David Wright. So. You know, at least you got to see him at the mountaintop. You know what I mean? Because yeah. at the end of the day, all you ever want to do is lead the team that you know that you know that's your team. Right. You know, it'd be this the it'd be like Mike Trout finally leading the Angels to a World yeah. Series. You know, I'll, unfortunately, wasn't able to finish the deed, if you will. But I mean, hey, once you make it there, sometimes that's all that matters. All you could ever do yeah. is make it to the big game, and you know. Hope you can you can win four of them. Yeah, it meant a lot to him. You know, he the, the Mets got close in 2006, which was really early in David's career. Um, <clears throat> they came within just a, an eyelash of going to the World Series that year. So 2015 was his first time getting to that point. And it was really special to him that that he was able to do that as a veteran player with the team that he'd been on his whole career. And yeah, I mean, that's the dream, right? The Mike Trout's next and, and he Absolutely. gets that opportunity and he deserves it. He does. And I think that's the thing that is, you know, the narrative through baseball fans in America or wherever, they're always like, oh, you guys are failing Trout. You know, you got to get him to the postseason. You got, you know, he hasn't had that opportunity since that 14 run, which was very short, thanks to the Royals. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you, you come in here. I mean, now you, you mentioned it in the beginning. The team's building, you know, they're building on depth. They've had a nice offseason. Uh, starting rotation looks good. They've got young talent in the minors that are banging at the door to come up to the majors as far as pitching's concerned. And then you got Trout, who, if if healthy, I mean, he could have been, you know, he missed a lot of times and still almost hit, you know, 40 home runs last year. And then you couple that with Shohei being Shohei, what he can possibly do and improve on last year's great year. How excited are you to be calling the game's not only just for the Angels organization, 
but the potential for the team. Yeah, tremendously. I mean, when you when you think about this job and and calling these games, I mean, Trout and Otani, that's that's the draw. I mean, that's that's the uh, the highlight reel. Those are the guys on the marquee. I mean, truly, two of the greatest players of all time. I mean, that's that's just what they are. And and what Mike Trout's accomplished. And you're right. I mean, you know, when when Trout first had the injury last year, people started to mention David Wright that they thought it would be a, a similar kind of downfall. And when Mike came back, you know, all of a sudden he's just hitting home runs left and right. He, he proved pretty quickly that this was no downfall. This He was still the man. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had a, a great year despite missing a, a significant chunk of time. So it, it's it's certainly promising that you're going to get Mike Trout still at the top of his powers in 2023. And you're getting Shohei at, at the top of his. So these two guys, you know, the, in, a, in a way where baseball is such a team sport, it's still impossible for these two guys to, to – even with two of them at like this, lead your team to the promised land. You need some other players to step up. They need Rendon to, to, to really lean into what is a big contract for him and to be the guy that he was in Washington. And they need some of these other guys that they've brought in this year but just, to, just to do their part. You know, Hunter Renfro needs to do his part. So does Brandon Drury. Uh, you know, Renhifo took a step forward last year. Guys like Walsh and Ward, you, you want them to just keep progressing. And if the pitching holds up and Tyler Anderson's a nice piece as well, I love Estevez. I think he's very underrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting him out of Colorado, he's probably going to be even better than he was there. So uh, it's, it, things are good. And I think that they can, they can hopefully stay healthy and, and put together a team that, that will have some exciting games to play. And, and I'm thrilled at the opportunity uh, to, to call them and, and give the Angels uh, – fans some highlights to to think about as the season goes along and, and hopefully it leads them to October. Sorry, there we go. I have two final questions personally. So the one I have, you, you were just talking about, you know, hoping, you know, to, to provide a little bit for, for the fans. So baseball is all about moments. In your industry, I can only imagine that you hope to make those moments. You know, you grow up wanting to be a a voice of baseball and you want to create something iconic that people remember. You know, I I know where I was when I heard that call. So let me take you back to September 23rd of 2022. Did you ever in your wildest dreams think that you would be calling one of the most iconic home runs for one of the best hitters of our generation. No, it's crazy. Uh, you know, when when Albert broke into the big leagues, I was still in high school. I was in <laughs> in high school in some suburb in Chicago, and just uh, hoping and dreaming just to get an opportunity to do any of it, uh, let alone to to get that momentous of a home run was unbelievable. I mean, it just surpasses anything you could even think about. Uh, right place, right time, without without question. You know, a guy who was two home runs away going into that game, even you, you didn't even expect it that night. You know, I just I knew, you know, if he hit one, you know, he's facing Andrew Heaney, a lefty, gives up some home runs, certainly leaves the ball in a place where right handers can hit him out. So I thought maybe he'd hit one off of Heaney. And uh, if he hits one, then you got to, then you're at least in the neighborhood. You're, you're at least talking about 700. I mean, Judge hit 61 and then it didn't hit 62 for like a week and a half or so after that and almost didn't hit it at all. So you just never know how it's going to turn out, but at least you'll have an at bat 
for 700. That's all I was really hoping for. So when he hit 699, I knew we'd have some eyes on the fact that he would hit 700. But it just seemed like it was the night. Albert knows what that stage is like. He knows what he needs to do to perform. He was back at Dodger Stadium. You know, the Dodgers really did revitalize Albert's career after the Angels and him separated. And uh, I think it was important to Albert to do something like that in that ballpark, which is such a historic place anyway. But it was it was a, an incredible night. Just really lucky to be a part of it. And uh, you just want to give the moment its due, right? You just want to you just want to be fair to the moment. And uh, that's that's all I was really thinking about when when the the opportunity for seven hundred came up. Like listening to it, like listening back to that call. I, I'm I'm sure. How many times have you listened to it? Uh, I've listened to it some, yeah, not not in a while, but I I especially right after just to kind of soak it in and and understand what it was. I've listened to it a, a good number of times. Okay, do you, do you remember the moment, or were you just kind of numb, like, oh my gosh, this is happening? Because you know, like you had some excitement to your voice. I was listening to it right before the interview, and I was like, this is a good call. Thank you. I I can't believe I can't even begin to tell you how locked in I was at that moment. Okay. So I remember all of it. Um, I okay. was, if you, if you go back and, and watch and you, and to when I start the call, it almost seems like simultaneous with the crack of the bat, because I was so, it was like, I had extra vision that night. Like I was just so locked in on what was going on between the pitcher and the batter for both of his at bats, for both of his home runs that night, I was just so locked in. So I remember every moment I remember looking at my partners in the booth, Chris Young and, and Russell Dorsey that night, our stage manager, JR. I remember uh, looking back at him and he was he was filming it. I remember my every reaction getting out of my chair. I actually physically got out of my chair uh, when the ball was was clearing the fence. I, I wanted every vantage point just to make sure because it wasn't it wasn't a clear home run mm -hmm. off the bat. It was clearly hit well. It wasn't a no-doubter. Yeah, but it wasn't a no-doubter. And as Taylor went back, you know, you, you kind of got the sense of looking at the trajectory that the ball was going to land over the fence. And that's kind of when I started uh, to say this is 700. So it's uh, it was really cool to be as focused as I was in that moment. And and again, just right place, right time. And, and just really want, you really want to give the moment it's due. And, and that was a huge moment. And I, I hope I did it justice in, in that time. I think you did oh, because yeah. you, you took the Vin Scully approach. Because whenever you, you hear Vin Scully, uh, RIP, when he would give interviews on how to be a good sportscaster, sometimes he would just say, you let the moment play out and your first feelings that come to your head, um, you say them and you don't drown out what's going on. And I think he did yeah. a really good job of that. Well, I was just sitting in his booth, you know, it was uh, it was kind of the, the cool thing about it is you're in Vin's booth at Dodger Stadium and you saw the vantage point that he had for all those years uh, doing Dodger games. And, you know, it was the first time I'd had done a game in that booth before, because um, usually, you know, when I'm when the Mets are playing the Dodgers, I'd be in the visiting radio booth. Um, I'd never done a game on TV at Dodger Stadium before. And, and with the Apple TV broadcast, you know, there's no local broadcast for it so they give you the home booth usually at the stadium you're at and so to be sitting in vin's actual booth calling that moment was just another extra layer to it nice that that's a perfect segue to, to my last official question so southern california is synonymous with iconic sports voices that 
many of us around the country grew up listening to. I mean, just to name a couple of literally the scroll of names, Vince Scully, Dick Emberg, and Jerry Coleman. Uh, so those are just a couple of the, the long list of names. What does it mean now that your name will be associated with them as one of those Southern California broadcasters? Yeah, it means everything. You know, I, I think in New York, it was the same. Like they, there's not only so many great announcers in New York sports history, but the Mets in, in specifically had a lot of great announcers and have great announcers now. So there was a, a, a lot of, I wouldn't say pressure, but there was the privilege of being put into that line of being next and, and wanting to deliver the way that those guys did, or at least close enough to be considered in that group. Um, or at least be allowed by the fans to even be allowed to sit in those chairs where those guys sat. Um, so it, it means a lot. And it, it's certainly something I don't take lightly. Uh, listen, we're going to go at, at this every night with, with trying to put the best broadcast we can uh, mm -hmm. out there. You know, we're not going to take a night off. We're, we're not going to, if the game's out of hand, we're not going to fold <laughs> up and leave. You know, we're going we're gonna to bring it every single night and every single inning. And it's going to be something that I take a lot of pride in. And I, I've talked to my producer already, uh, Max, who's uh, excited to, to get going. He's been there for a few years now. Uh, Gooby is, is renowned and as a guy who's a good analyst and a great baseball guy and a great person to be around. Uh, well, you know, I'm excited to, to dig in with these guys and, and to produce good baseball broadcasts every night. Uh, I think the West Coast games are fun because – you know, not only do you have your your local audience, but you know, I used to watch West Coast games more than East Coast games being on the East Coast, because when you're done after your game, you pop on a West Coast game. You want to watch the Dodgers. You want to watch the Padres. You want to watch Trap Notani and the Angels. You know, there's a lot of options. And, and so we'll have a lot of eyes because of the superstars that are on this team and hopefully a team that ends up winning as well. And, uh, you know, I'll be, we'll be ready. My last thing uh, yeah, I want yeah. to say, since you brought up Gooby, uh, I'm, as people know on this page, I'm giddy for Gooby. Me and him have a pretty good uh, relationship. Uh, he's <laughs> he's one of the most down to earth guys you'll ever know, and uh, so I'm I'm digging your voice right now. I'm picturing it with with Gooby because Gooby's like our Tony Romo man. He he sometimes calls plays before it even happens, calls situations in the game, and it's it's just incredible how in you know in tune he is and then hearing how you were with that Dodgers call and pull holes I think it's going to be a really really good match and the fact that you guys aren't going to be taking you know innings off talking about the latest movie in theaters I think that's going to be more welcome to the Angel fans too because Angel fans they don't get the good rap that we deserve I think in a way because we're into the, the team we're we're into the sport and so if, if, the, if the announcers are locked in that's even better for us because it gives us something to, you know, to, to hang on. And because yeah. a lot of our angel friends, they know, you know, they've, they've been sitting through the 13 to two when we're on the bad side of it or when we're on the good side of it, they'll stay for an entire game. So I just wanted to throw it out there. We're looking forward to you and Gooby in the, in the booth for sure. Wayne. Oh yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And, and it's going to be fun to get to know Gooby better. Uh, yeah. I've talked to him a little bit on the phone since this has all started going down and, uh, you know, every, everybody says he's just the best guy. So uh, I'm excited to get to know him a lot better and, and talk baseball with him. I, I said in an interview I did with The Athletic uh, the other day that we're going to talk uniforms. I, lo I love talking about uniforms. Uh, so I'm going to make Gooby uh, talk talk threads with me. And, oh, okay. 
you know, we're gonna we're gonna dig deep on some of that stuff. You know, I, I I I'm a big fan of the Angel City Connects, and I think those are really cool. There you go. And, that was uh, my next question. Like, right where you said that, I was like, oh, I wonder if he likes it. Yeah, me, me and yeah. Fernando are really big on the jerseys, so I'm sure he's got a good yeah. question. I right love here. the City Connect jerseys. Yeah, no, we'll talk We'll talk a lot about it. You know, the Twins have new uniforms this year, so we'll, we'll dig in, and there'll be new City Connects around the league this season, so we'll we'll have a lot of fun with that. Do you, do you think the Angels okay. go back to a throwback 80s at some point? Because this is this will be year 21 of the red and white. Yeah, now, I mean, like permanently? Yeah, permanently because of uh, most teams they change after like a decade. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, a lot of teams have are going back to that nostalgic look. Um, you know, as if you're, I mean, you're wearing the hat right now, which says the CA with the California Angels. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that was kind of that that era. Uh, I don't know if they'll go back to that. I I I think the red with the dark blue looks good when the when the Angels do mix that in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't know if they'll ever go back to it. You know, they won a World Series in, in the uniform they're wearing right now. So. True um yeah. that was, that's tough to to go back on <laughs> on, a, on a world championship <laughs> style but uh, the city connects are great i mean that's kind of a new look for the angels overall and uh i think those are terrific uniforms i i hope they wear them a lot in this upcoming year absolutely well i'll tell you what uh we might uh we might have to get your uh, jersey size we might send you one if you don't already have one <laughs> Yeah, no, that'd be cool. I don't have one yet, so we'll see. We'll just uh, send yeah. send Fernando your favorite number, and uh, we'll uh, <laughs> we'll send you one. Well, thanks guys for having me on. This was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to talking to uh, Angels fans here in the upcoming year, and we'll we'll get to know each other quite a bit as we go along. Awesome. Appreciate the time. You got it. Absolutely. Where can uh, where can the listeners find you, Wayne, if they want to, you know, follow you on whatever social media you have? Yeah, just everything's under my name. Uh, just at Wayne Randazzo for Twitter and for Instagram. You know, I don't, I don't, I haven't, I haven't posted a lot on Instagram over the years. But you know, now that I'm going to be on TV, you know, where you have producers and people that are going to be holding uh, cameras and sh- and shooting you all the time. Hopefully, I'll have a lot more Instagram content uh, to to post. <laughs> so I'll, I'll try try to get more active there, and and you know, I'll tweet about the team and some observations that that we have in the booth and all that as we go along well if you do you'll get a lot of angel support i'll tell you that right now the angels are very big on twitter and instagram so yeah good they'll be hitting you up and giving you praise that's for sure (laughs) hope so (laughs) make sure to follow wayne everybody but uh, on behalf of all of us here at halos and infield wayne once again thank you so much for the time and uh, we'll see you out here at the big a all right can't wait thanks guys see ya